Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Adventure has its own style. It's made up of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Visit Subaru.com wilderness to explore the family of rugged Subaru Wilderness models. Mike Tomlin says you can't beat the Chiefs without putting up a bunch of points. Ben Roethlisberger says you can't beat the Chiefs without putting up a bunch of points. Common sense says you can't beat the Chiefs without putting up a bunch of points. Someone please tell me who's going to put up a bunch of points Sunday. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. It will be, by all accounts, Steelers versus Chiefs at 4.25 p.m. Eastern inside Arrowhead Stadium. And with the Chiefs not having produced any new additions to the COVID protocol yesterday, It'd certainly appear that they've got no reason whatsoever to be messing with the game. Not that they should, anyway, as we were discussing on yesterday's show. So this will be an actual football game. And let's presume, because it's the best way to prepare for things, whether you're the Steelers or just an observer, that Kansas City's roster will have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and the rest of these guys who've popped onto their COVID list. And let's further presume that the offense is going to be tasked with putting up, I mean, I think it's going to take 28 points or more. Now you can say, well, hey, they've, they've done that before. Sure, they did it in Minneapolis just a couple of weeks ago, but you saw the circumstances there, and you saw how extraordinary an effort it required. Not to mention the Vikings really, really, really gagging to an extent, as the Vikings have done in a lot of situations in their own season. This team hasn't shown anything resembling sustained offense all season long. Early on, it was about this or that in the first quarter. Then they actually had a couple of games where they scored on the opening drive and looked efficient and then tanked. Uh, You've not seen one complete game, not one, out of the first 14 where you said, okay, the offense really put it together that day. And to understand why, you really have to revisit these games on film. You've got to break it down because there are so many breaks Downs to break down. And it's not always what's obvious. I 
took that step with the game this past weekend. It was no fun. This team is brutal at so many things on offense that you start scratching down notes and stuff like that, and eventually you just kind of give up. You know, what, what am I doing here? Why am, why am I trying to analyze this? This is just bad. Start with the single most basic act in football, the snapping from the center to the quarterback, the exchange, the routine exchange from one set of hands to another. Believe it or not, here we are in late December, and one of the main topics of conversation yesterday was about the center exchange. This is what Ben Roethlisberger had to say about Kendrick Green's showing on snaps the other day compared to all those terrible snaps he's been making all season. It's been great. Um, you know, I think he took some heat um, in this building specifically after the Minnesota game for some of the snaps. And I walked in today and said, hey, good job, no bad snaps. Everyone wants to get on you when there's bad snaps, but no one says good job when there's no bad snaps. So just wanted to reinforce to him that I think he's doing a great job. Um, his job is not easy. I mean, he is, it's not like he's a, a, a player that's played center his whole life and, you know, he's just making this transition. Um, he's a guy that's got very few center snaps, and, and we ask our center to make some calls, quite a bit of calls, um, identification stuff. I'll help him out with some things. But for the most part, he's doing most of it. And, um, and then you got to snap the ball and then block a guy in front of you. So um, all those things considered, I think he's done a great job. Well, yippee. I mean, he's right. No one's going to say anything good about a center snapping a football. You know, I also don't say great job to the cashier at Giant Eagle for being able to check out the groceries. You know, we all have jobs. That happens to be Green's job. This was what Green had to say to the same subject. Um, definitely something that's like, uh, definitely something, you know, feel like, you know, it's good to good to hear, but also not looking for it either. Like Coach Tom would say, like, we ain't looking for no pass on the backs. You know, in the Minnesota game, you know, it's still no excuse for in, you know, I've had a, quite a few bad snaps this year. There's no, no excuse for it. You know, like Coach Tom would say, you got to have that shit fixed yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, not looking for any pass on the backs, but definitely appreciate it. Well, that's the right spirit in which to take it. Now, in fairness, he played four games at center at Iowa. He's not experienced at the position. The ultimate fault here for Green's snaps and Green's blocking and Green's strange thing that he does where he goes out and blocks air, which you can see multiple times a game to amuse yourself as you go through this film, that goes to management. They were the ones that anointed him, gave him 53 in training camp, let him sit out after the first quarter of preseason games, didn't want to wear him down. This this was their creation. This is not on green. That's why I try not to be tough on him. This is on management. I hope that doesn't get lost in the message that I'm sending here. Maybe Kendrick Green will be a fine center someday, but we never would have known that under this circumstance in 2021 that he was thrown into because of a lousy 
decision between Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. You keep watching this film, and it only gets worse. Even if it's a bad snap, Ben can usually bail that out. This is a big dude with long arms who's long since been used to handling a snap over his head or to his right or wherever. He's pretty good at it. But then you'll see offensive linemen going left and right and running into each other and completely missing assignments. There's a lot of emphasis, I feel, from uh, people criticizing the Steelers' offensive line on their own individual inexperience, on their own shortcomings. Like when you bring up Green, you'll hear a lot of, well, he doesn't get low enough, or he's not strong enough, he doesn't have NFL strength yet, and some of this stuff is to be expected. None of that excuses the failure to execute a simple, diagrammed play which is what we see on every other successful, in parentheses, snap. I can't stress this part enough. Word came out yesterday that the University of Oregon is ready to offer the offensive line coach's job to Adrian Clem. Now, if that sounds like a headline out of the onion. (laughs) Okay, maybe it was, but I think this report was legit. Clem shouldn't be doing this job in the NFL. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I have eyes, and I can see these guys being completely unable to follow a simple scheme. The scheme, of course, comes from the offensive coordinator. The job of making sure that your players know it, feel it, and understand why it's happening, and additionally, to gain the ability to adjust to a certain situation. That's that's on the offensive line coach. Having the individual skills and so forth and being able to use your hands and other stuff that, you know, Green was going to have to learn along the way this season, as were Dan Moore and, to an extent, Kevin Dotson and others. That's also on the offensive line, Coach. But the number one thing is here is the plan and here is how you execute the plan. This team is horrific at that. You want to know what I think? I think Clem knows he's going to get canned after this season, and he plotted an escape route. I don't have to guess at whether or not Clem 
is overmatched at his position. You've been hearing that on this show for several weeks now. And you've heard that because I've heard from the inside that he's grotesquely overmatched at the NFL level. Oh, and by the way, guess whose fault that is, too? Yeah, it's not Kendrick Green. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Chris Davis, who asks, What's driving me crazy is that we could score 30-plus, so why are we so inconsistent? Oh, Chris, I'm not going to differ with you on math and numbers. The Steelers have scored that many. But I will definitely disagree with what seems to be a suggestion that there's an innate ability to score that many points with this offense. There just isn't. If you look at how they did it, as I mentioned in the opening segment, a lot of it was big, dramatic fourth-quarter rallies against teams that reasonably were going to change their defense and soften up a little bit in the secondary. And that's what happened. That's what happened. Again, the Minnesota game is the one that just leaps out in this regard. The Vikings just changed everything, went to a cover two, and you just started seeing Ben hit guys. It was a mistake. It was a mistake on Mike Zimmer's part, and I'm sure he knew it that, you know, with the defensive mind that he's got, that he he was at least partly responsible for that near total collapse of his team that night in Minneapolis. It feels to me like throughout the season that Steelers fans have been trying to find some kind of common thread like you are as to, well, why does the offense work when it works? And why doesn't it work other times? Most often, that comes up with the narrative of, oh, Ben's calling plays. Well, if Ben's calling plays, then everything's great. When Matt Canada's calling plays, everything is bad. Matt Canada designs all of the plays, 100% of them. He's the coordinator. Ben doesn't, you know, sit there all summer and draw up schemes. I'm positive that he has input and he might make suggestions based on something that he's experienced in the past, uh, you know, a route that he might prefer that Canada wouldn't have been uh, familiar with from his past. But the coordinator is the one that takes pencil to paper. The coordinator is the number two reason that this offense is exactly what you describe, inconsistent. Although I don't even know that I'd want to call it inconsistent as much as I would just bad. There's no imagination. There's no flow. There's no sense of rhythm. There's really nothing. If we're talking about coaches who need to go back to college jobs, uh, Clem can feel free to take Canada with him to Oregon or wherever. This is not an NFL coordinator and never should have been considered as such by, who have I been blaming through this whole show? Oh yeah, those two guys. Because they're the ones that just walk down the hall for a coordinator instead of opening the job up 
to a national search for one of 32 such openings on the planet. Could have gotten somebody better than this guy. The number one reason, of course, is the offensive line. It's chaos. It's havoc. With every snap. I don't mean to be repetitive here, but this really is what it's about. If you guys had sat with me through this video session and seen the things that I saw, you never bring up for the rest of the season why such and such pass misfired or why so and so dropped the ball or why Najee couldn't do this or that. You would change your entire outlook on the Steelers' offense to a single isolated concept, and that is that this team can't go anywhere with this offensive line. They can occasionally survive. They can occasionally take advantage of a defense that's either incorrectly applied or poorly applied, like what we saw in Minnesota or like some of the lesser opponents the Steelers have faced. But if I pulled out, let's say, probably 20 of those offensive plays from that game Sunday and just strung those together for you, 1 through 20, you wouldn't believe in your wildest dreams that the Steelers would have been the winners in that game. No matter how many turnovers their defense had caused, wouldn't matter. You'd never dream that that was the winning side. That's how bad. And that's why I'm not optimistic, to say the least, about this coming weekend in Kansas City. And as a result, it's going to be really, really tough for the Steelers to overcome being 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. And on that bed of sunshine and flowers, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone for listening to Daily Shot of Steelers all year long and to wish you and your family from ours at DK Pittsburgh Sports a Merry Christmas. I'll be flying to Kansas City on Christmas Day, and I'll be back with, uh, obviously, uh, another daily shot of Steelers on Monday morning from Kansas City. In the interim, no show Friday, but again, be back Monday. Merry Christmas to everyone. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Adventure has its own style. It's made up of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. Visit Subaru.com wilderness to explore the family of rugged Subaru Wilderness models. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.